hello everyone at home. Thank you for watching uh, The Meaning of Life. This is episode two coming up right now. Uh, it, this, this is a show that I've put together myself. Uh, I've, I, I, it's cost about £20,000 to make this series, which is incredibly cheap. Uh, but obviously that's my money and that's uh, slightly upsetting for me. Uh, so it'd be great if you could help contribute in some way. But also you, you can contribute a bit by just imagining slightly better production values than, than we have. Uh, we, we can't afford swooping crane shots and stuff like that. So at, at the moment, maybe we will. But we do have uh, our own uh, smoke machine. Come around here, Craig, and look at our smoke machine. Uh, if you watched episode one, you'll remember it didn't, didn't work. I'm not, there's no lights on it, uh, so... Yeah, it hasn't. It's not working again. So we've got, we've, well, we, we have a smoke machine that doesn't work. It costs £30. Maybe by the end of the series that will work. Who knows? So it's very, still very exciting to have a smoke machine uh, that has somehow fused and broken itself. Uh, there are lots of ways to pay uh, for this if you want to. This is free, obviously, what you're watching now. Uh, but if you want to download a longer version of this show with uh, jokes that were too rude for Vimeo uh, uh, and uh, stuff that didn't work uh, and, uh, and a longer version uh, of the interview that I'm doing with Professor Richard Wiseman later on, uh, then you can go to gofasterstripe.com slash Rahumol and uh, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to go Rahumol when I say Rahumol, you're useless so uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, you can pay to download the whole series there you get a series pass Uh, or if we finished all of them uh, and there's enough interest we will be putting them all on DVD which we'll also be able to buy at Go Faster Stripe or you can buy tickets to see me live like these idiots did it's alright isn't it so far what do you think I mean it's pretty cheap it could be like really shit and you still go well it's only 10 quid it was Still quite good value. Or if you want, there are various ways to pay uh, and make a donation at uh, gofasterstripe.com slash rehumol. Uh, we, yeah, well done, you're learning. Uh, we've, uh, if, what would, if everyone who downloaded this, uh, either on iTunes, British Comedy Guide, or uh, on vimeo.com, uh, were just to give us one pound, we would be able to put that money to making even more of these and even more content. So what we've got is some badges that say, I paid a pound, uh, which you can buy. They cost a pound. Okay, and you can get those from me at gigs, for, uh, or you can get them uh, online. You have to pay package and posting as well, otherwise it's, we lose money. So it's, uh, but you'll get one that says, I paid a pound plus package and posting if you buy it, buy it online. Uh, and also, if you want to make a, more, uh, just make a donation, there, there is a facility on that page uh, to make a donation of whatever you want. If you want to pay a pound a month, you'll get a badge saying, I paid a pound a month. There's all different badges here. Uh, <laughs> I paid a pound plus. Uh, I paid more. You can pay more than a pound for this badge if you want. I paid more than a pound plus package and posting. You can pay more than a pound a month. You get a gold badge saying I paid more than a pa- more than a pound. Look at those. They're very exciting. Uh, down a bit so it looks good. Look at all those different, all those different bad. If you could collect them all, if you donate a pound to me at a gig, a pound online, give a pound a month, and then do more than a pound a month and pay more than... You could get six, five or six badges there. I'm going to try and exp- explain those for you in a minute. That'll be, and if you wear your badge wherever you go, you'll be identifiable to other nerds uh, who will be impressed by your, the fact you funded this show, and they might have sex with you. It's a, there's a chance, which is that most of the chance that some of the people then say you would ever get to have sex there. You paid a pound. Uh, and I promise, if, I, if you come up to me and you're wearing an I paid a pound badge of any kind, I have to listen to what you're saying for 30 seconds. That is whatever I'm doing. 
So <laughs> that's part of the contract. So you get more than that. And if you donate money monthly, we'll, we'll send you some other stuff as well. But it'd be fantastic if you wanted to help us uh, claw back some of the £20,000 that we spent on this. That'd be great. And if we make a profit, all of that money, none of it will come to us. It'll be ploughed into making further programmes, which is very exciting, isn't it? It's, it? Just buy a badge. It's a pound. It's the least you can do. It's literally the least you can do. <laughs> All right, the least that you can do is just to tell your friends about this show uh, so they can watch it as well. And that's right. Maybe one of them won't be such a skin flint that they're not prepared to pay a pound for this. For six of these. Just a pound. It's a fucking pound. You get a badge. What do you want out of me? Blood? Fuck you. Where did we come from? What are we? Where are we going? The answers, my friend. In the wind they are blowing Is the mind of God even worth knowing? What's the meaning of life? That's what this show will be showing Is life just a dream? Is anything certain? Is the world just a stage? If so, where's the curtain? Is the queen really a lizard or is David I bonkers? If a serial killer kills another serial killer, does it work like conkers? A dinosaur of bones just got pulling a beetle. Can a camel and a blender get through the eye of a needle? Would you rather have a TikTok or a time-traveling figure? Who's going to call out the RSPCA on Pavlov and Schrodinger? Are we victims of fate or is it free will? Is there a bigger trial on earth than AA gear? Is the cannibalistic Eucharist the spookiest sacrament? Does a suicidal bee self-indulgent with ennui recite a sad soliloquy? To be a bee or not to be a bee? Physics, physicist, Taoist, Maoist, alchemist All they are just factorists Let me get to know that What's the meaning of it all? What's the meaning of asking? Don't get a logical positivist on me Unless you want an ass kicking Cause I just wanna know What's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? It's no big deal It's just the meaning of life Is everything is going to happen already written? I hope so, as that'll get me out of having to write the next four episodes of this show. It's The Meaning of Life, and please welcome your host, Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you. Thank you for coming. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Richard Herring's Meaning of Life, or as some of the cool kids are already starting to calling it, Rahamol. That's right. It's the show that aims to answer all of life's big mysteries. Like, is the glass half full or is it half empty? I say it's half empty. People say that makes me a pessimist. But it kind of depends what's in the glass, doesn't it? What if it's a glass of poison? Suddenly I don't look so pessimistic, do I? What if it's a glass of monkey semen? Suddenly I look like quite a positive fellow. That monkey semen is half gone. That's a good thing. Not so much to go. To be honest, I'd rather be a pessimist than the kind of person who drinks half a glass or something without sniffing it first to check what it is. Mm, that looks like a nice smoothie. Mm, slightly brackish. Uh, if, if there is a message to this show, I guess it is. If, it's always good to sniff something before you put it in your mouth. That is... It's a, it's a lesson I live my life by, madam. Do you, 
do listen into that if you can. Tonight, we are going to be looking at the paranormal. We have nothing to fear but fear itself and monsters. And ghosts and a Frankenstein is quite scary. Uh, are UFOs real? And if so, why do they only appear to people who are mad or too stupid to even operate a camera properly? Can we talk to the dead? Yes, of course we can. The real question is, can the dead talk back to us? The answer to that is no. No, they can't. They're dead. Richard Terry's meaning in life. Is it possible to tell the future? I recently had my fortune told uh, by an old woman in Armenia. Uh, this is generally true. It's a long story. I went on, uh, I did a TV show in Armenia, uh, Yerevan, with David Badil, uh, the, uh, who's, who David Icke has recently uh, said is a, is a lizard uh, <laughs> under there. Didn't notice, didn't notice any lizard. So if he is a lizard, then you know, he's gone to a lot of effort to make that kind of David Badil costume to wear over the top. I think if you're going to do that, you'd make, you'd make yourself look a bit better than David Badil. Well, that's the, that's, you think I can make myself look like anyone? I'd be, you'd be Brad Pitt, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be David Badil. So I don't think he is. Uh, but it was kind of a stupid show, right? kind of crazy show, where we had to uh, go and spend loads of money in 24 hours. And one of the things we did, which was quite hard because it's, uh, everything's quite cheap in, uh, in Armenia, but one of the things we did, we went out to the outskirts of the city at night time. It was really scary. So these little shacks, basically. And this old woman told us the fortune. And I kind of, I really, because it was this... She was quite a sweet old lady. I really wanted her to be right. I don't really believe in this kind of stuff, but I, I was hoping she would get stuff right. Uh, the way she told my fortune was she held a bowl of water over my head and then dripped uh, burning wax into that, and then she would read my fortune from the globules that the, the wax formed. Well, she didn't really tell me my future. She just told me a load of stuff that's already happened to me. Um, well, she didn't even do that, actually, because she didn't get a single thing right to begin with. It was really embarrassing. Uh, she said to me, did you have an accident two days ago? I said, no, no, I didn't, didn't have it. She said, it might be two weeks ago. I said, no, don't think I did. No, I didn't. Two months ago? No, two, it might be two years ago. I was thinking I haven't really had any kind of accident in the last two years. She said, there's definitely something with an accident in the number two. I said, well, come on, that has happened to her. That is not reading fortune telling, is it? That is a universal experience. Uh, she... <laughs> She was telling me all about my neighbours who lived next door to me. There was eight people living there. There isn't, there wasn't that many people. Everything was wrong. Eventually, she changed tack and said the wax was telling her that I didn't believe in fortune telling, was adrift, unable to connect with my spiritual side, and that I never lit candles in church. Suddenly, she was getting everything right. It was quite, it was quite spooky. It, she was quite cross. The wax seemed angry with me for not lighting candles in church, which I was surprised about. You'd think the wax would be, respect me and be happy I wasn't murdering its cousins. But no, apparently the wax likes to be burnt. It enjoys it. That's what it wants. Uh, uh, she told me that I have a saint looking after me. Uh, she didn't tell me which one, unfortunately. But he's kind of guardian angel and I'm not accepting his help, which I felt a bit sorry for this saint looking after me. But I was surprised to find out that I had a Christian saint looking after me because that's not what I'd been led to understand before. Um, in 2001, I was going out with the actress Julia Sawala. Um, I'd, uh, I'd fancied her for a, a long time before, and as anyone may remember, I used to have a Julia Sawala shrine in Fist of Fun. Uh, that was before I went out with her, uh, and she still went out with me for some reason. Uh, but uh, eventually, uh, Julia got cast in a play that I had written, somehow. Don't know how it happened. <laughs> Amazing coincidence. And during rehearsals, we ended up getting together. We are very different people. She's very spiritual. She's into homeopathy. She believed fairies genuinely exist. I'm very scientific, I'm practical, I'm rational. Uh, I'm 95% certain there are no fairies at all. 
Uh, I like medicine. But uh, we went away for a weekend and we had a Tai Chi lesson. Uh, I must have loved her. And uh, the woman taking this course was, a very, again, a very spiritual, artifati type. And she said to me, I can see spirits from the other side. I said, no, oh, good, that must probably comes in handy, does it? She, she said, I can see your spirit guide. Your spirit guide is in this room right now. You and Julia actually share the same spirit guide. Now, I did not know that. I thought if you had a spirit guide, you got one to yourself 24-7, caring for all your spiritual needs. That's not how it works at all. They, they take little shifts on different people. They're, they're hopping around from person to person. It's like spinning plates. That's why things get so badly fucked up. It's this kind of celestial sitcom. Anyway, she told me that our spirit guide was a red Indian. I'd have said Native American. <laughs> he was called Running Bear. And I was quite embarrassed, but that's quite a cliche, isn't it? If I'm going to have a spirit guide, I'd like it to be something quirky and unexpected, like a 19th century accountant called Simon, who's <laughs> secretly bisexual, you know, something you're not expecting. Anyway, she said, she said, Running Bay was at the back of the room. He was watching us. He was smiling because he'd been trying to get us two together for years. He'd always known we were soulmates. Finally, he managed. He got us together now. We'd be together forever because we were soulmates, which was interesting for two reasons. Firstly, at this point, I'd fancied Julia for about 10 years, and we worked in the same job. You think that any spirit guide worth his salt could have got us together in what? A fortnight maximum? <laughs> Secondly, me and Julia were not soulmates. We argued constantly. We didn't get on. We broke up about three months later. A five-year-old child could have seen we weren't meant to be together. What was Running Bear thinking? <laughs> Bringing together two such clearly incompatible people. I hate Running Bear. He's a dick. I'm glad my ancestors wiped out his entire civilization. (laughs) Though I do kind of grudgingly respect Running Bear for agreeing to help out the descendants of the people who did that to his culture. That is, that's very forgiving of him. That is, he's a bigger man than me. I wouldn't have done that. Maybe that's why he's bringing together such incompatible couples. We're going to breed a nation of idiots as revenge. According to her autobiography, uh, Gianna Lumley uh, believes uh, that uh, she used to live in a house that was haunted. On her first day there, there was an ancient removal man, and he leaned his face very close into hers and said, leave this place. Uh, But when she went out to the removal truck, there was no sign of this man at all, which is quite spooky. But I wonder if he was just employed by the removal firm to drum up new business. You know, it's... (laughs) Admittedly, they've just moved all her stuff in, but that's double bubble if they can get it and move it straight out again. That is good. There'll be quids in. She also heard footsteps, someone walking above her. They saw, she saw someone walking past her window, even though it was on the first floor. And one night, she saw in the garden a freshly dug grave. But when she looked in the morning, the grave had disappeared. Most of these things, from what I can gather, were witnessed only by Joanna Lumley, uh, who you may remember from Sapphire and Steel. Uh, but I'm, I'm not for a second suggesting uh, that Joanna Lumley uh, might have imagined all these things because she is mental. Uh, after all, it's just much more probable she's just susceptible to being contacted by the dead due to her artistic sensitivity. She was, after all, in the film Maybe Baby, and that, that gives you a special... You've got a special bond with the spirit world if you're that talented. She... She felt she was being forced out of the place by the ghosts, yet when she put the place up for sale, she was showing her family around, and when she showed them the pantry, which was usually clean and insect-free, it was full of blue bottles swarming around. The family were terrified. They ran away. Who wouldn't? Uh, When Lumley went back into the pantry, there were no insects in there at all. It was clean. Again, that's tough, isn't it, if even ghost insects are haunting you. 
the inhabitants of the next world must hate Joanna Lumley for some reason. Why are they? Perhaps they feel she should have stopped doing Absolutely Fabulous after the second series before it got a bit stretched and desperate. But I don't know. I, who can read their minds? Not me. But wait, if the ghosts wanted Lumley to leave, why did they mess things up when that other family were looking around? Surely they would want the new people to move in. They should have kept quiet. Maybe the human ghosts hate Joanna Lumley, but the insect ghosts, like her, wanted to stay. So they were trying... Or maybe it's just that insects stay being stupid even once they're dead and can't really follow any kind of coherent plan. No, you're meant to s- scare Joanna Lumley away. Not, we're a blue bottle. I, you know, what do I, I, can't, I didn't know anything when I was alive. I'm not suddenly going to be intelligent when I'm... All I did when I was alive was fly on some shit. Why, why did you think I would be able to follow this plan? I didn't know. Anyway, Lumley went down to the cellar of the house finally and said, we're leaving. She was says in this book she was rewarded with the scent of a thousand roses. Though how she was able to calculate that, I don't know. That's, that's how sensitive she was. She was in the New Avengers. That gives her a sensitivity to be able to determine numbers of flowers by smell alone. That is incredible. Is it too much to think that even go, even flowers come back as ghosts? I mean, that seems... To, if we've accepted insects can be ghosts... In spectral, then it's not a great leap to think flowers come back. How does anything living? Can bacteria come back? Would you be able to tell a ghost bacteria from a real bacteria? They, they look quite ghostly. I suppose if you're looking through a microscope and they form themselves into the word woo, then, 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 you'd, then you would know. Um, but uh, Lumley finally sold the house, thus passing the problem on to some other idiot. She must have been delighted by that. But the Sunday Times reported the new occupant had lived there for two years uh, and experienced nothing unusual at all. <laughs> the, the new occupant said, maybe the ghosts like Joanna more than us. Yeah, that's probably the, the reason that happened. That's because they liked to... I can't think of another reason why those ghosts would have appeared to just one person. And nobody else. If anything, the ghost hated Joanna Lumley, right, from the beginning, and wanted her to leave. I don't know what she's done to deserve this, but if I was Joanna Lumley, I would not be looking forward to being dead. I can tell you that <laughs> right now. She's going to have a tough time on... They fucking hate her over there on the other... I don't know what she's done. She seemed to help the Gurkhas, didn't she? <laughs> maybe they're just... Everyone's racist on the other side. Maybe that, do you think that's what it is? <laughs> Lovely Joanna Lumley. <laughs> Usually I would admire anyone who's cynical about the paranormal, but there is one famous doubter that his criticisms astound me, really. Doubting Thomas, that's what... Here's a man who's hung around with Jesus, according to the New Testament, witnessed him doing all this incredible... He's cured lepers in front of him, he's fed the 5,000, but when he gets the news that Jesus himself has risen from the dead, he's all right, yeah, chinny wreck on. <laughs> has Jimmy Hill risen from the dead as well? Has Tutankhamun risen from the dead? He walked on water, Thomas. You must have... No, he had floats on his sandals. Simple explanation. He turned water into wine. Purple food dye in a little bottle up his sleeve. That's what it... We'd never have noticed. We were pissed off our faces at that. Have you ever been to a wedding where all the booze runs out? That's how pissed we were. It was a... No one would have noticed anything. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, he looked like he did, but have you seen Weekend at Bernie's? It could, it could have been... That's what could have been going on. It's odd that that detail about Doubting Thomas makes it into the Bible, I think. After all, if someone who's hung around with Jesus is that sceptical about his magical abilities, then why should I, someone who's never witnessed any of that first-hand stuff 2,000 years later, believe in these stories as well? Good news, my fellow disciples. I have seen it with my own eyes. Our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, is alive. Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. Jesus Christ! 
Reach hither thy finger, Thomas, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. My Lord and God. Hold it right there. Oh, shit. It's the Scooby-Doo gang. (laughs) That's right. And this isn't as it seems. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead to haunt us all, but is in fact... Charlie the Caretaker. (laughs) That's right. I took advantage of the crucifixion of a common man and pretended to come back as a ghouly ghost in the hope that I could establish a religion that would spread across the Western world, form a corrupt church which would willfully ignore all the things that Jesus actually said and amass a massive treasure and have sex with children and create division in the Middle East leading to endless centuries of war and schism. And I would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you pesky meddling cunts. Take him away, officer. Ooh, ooh. Oh, no, it's a real Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't worry, this time it's just Scooby. Scooby Dooby Doo! I love these occasional news stories that crop up claiming that a red eyed, howling Bigfoot has turned up in Tunbridge Wells. Uh, you do see it every now and again. It's unlikely, perhaps impossible, maybe not. Hiding in plain sight is a, in an unexpected location would be the best course of action for any mythical creature. If you passed a Medusa in Minehead, or a Frankenstein in Framley, or a Shrek in Shrewsbury, uh, you, you wouldn't, how you would just, your brain would surely just not even see that they were there. Uh, but uh, how many people do we successfully? ignore every day because they're lonely or dispossessed uh, or frightening so we don't see things if we don't want to see them when you're sober for example you certainly become aware of all the drunk people you don't notice them when you're drunk as well when you're one of them but when you're not suddenly they're everywhere with their purple noses and suspicious damp patches on their trousers I'm not drinking at the moment, and I'm walking around the streets of London, I've turned myself into Haley Joel Osment in a dipsomaniac version of Sixth Sense I see drunk people Walking around like regular people, only slightly less steadily. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're drunk. If we can edit out human beings, why not monsters? Historically, sightings of seemingly imaginary beasties are much more common than you might think. My personal favourite first appeared on Barnes Comment in September 1837. A businessman was taking a shortcut after a late night at the office when he was confronted by a bizarre leaping figure leaping supernaturally high over the cemetery walls. Uh, it was described as devilish, uh, with large pointed ears, googly glowing eyes. The cowardly businessman ran for his life. This would surely have been passed off as a drunken hallucination or maybe an owl taped to a space hopper but <laughs> reports of this bouncy Beelzebub then came flooding in from all over the city he was dubbed Spring Heel Jack uh, servant Mary Stevens was walking on Clapham Common uh, when an assailant grabbed her kissed her and ripped off her clothes groping at her with his claws which she described as cold and clammy as those of a corpse this prancing phantom was scared off by Mary's screams the bodice ripping and breast fonding became a calling card of this unholy terror yet while not, not, whilst not condoning such behaviour it's quite a charming use of such diabolical powers for all his abilities spring Jap seemed to spring Jap that's a different story <laughs> 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 
For all his abilities, spring-heeled Jack seemed to have the imagination of a hormonally crazed schoolboy touching up women before realising he didn't know what to do next and Poe going off into the night like a peripheral character from Carry On Screaming, played by Charles Hawtrey. Still, London was gripped with fear. This, the, the descriptions became more lurid. Jack wore a tight-fitting oil skin, had eyes that shone like fireballs and flames. He shot blue flames out of his mouth. Could this, any of this be true, or was just the whole city of London caught up in a wave of hysteria. The threat was taken seriously. A 70-year-old Duke of Wellington was so incensed, he came out of retirement, pulled on his wellies, uh, grabbed his couple of pistols and rode off into the night in the hope of apprehending this satanic supervillain. Was a septuagenarian any match for this flame-spewing Zebedee? The uh, Duke claimed to have come close to capturing Jack, but the wily ghoul eluded him. Who or what was Jack? At the time, there was a theory that the whole thing was a prank by the Marcus of Waterford, who provided backing for many convoluted Victorian hoaxes. He was athletic, he had prominent eyes, but surely he wasn't capable of jumping 25 feet into the air or spewing flames out of his mouth. Uh, It seems unlikely he'd invented some kind of 19th century hoverboard. In any case, sightings continued after his death. Others theorised that Jack was a mad acrobatic fire-eater, a dressed-up kangaroo. (laughs) Yeah, but who who dressed him up as that? And and why? Why would they do that? And why why was this kangaroo, this marsupial, so obsessed with with human mammary glands? That seems... Could be an alien used to, used to the gravitational pull of a different, of a bigger planet. I prefer to believe that Springfield Jack was a product of the madness of modern city life, a monster forged from the imagination of Londoners who then willed him into existence, and then he became one of them, but with slightly better manners. <laughs> but, you know, if, we, if, if these things can just be conjured up like that, can we believe anything that human beings claim to witness if people say these things? UFOs, fairies, Jimmy Savile, is any of that real? <laughs> He's a bit like Spring-Heeled Jack. Do you think he might... You, he might have been going for years. He's immortal. <laughs> no? Too controversial. <laughs> That's too controversial. The Madeline McCann stuff, fine. Yeah, let, we'll let that go. Don't, don't get on to Jimmy. How dare you mock Jimmy Self at, after all he's done for charity. <laughs> now, will you please welcome to talk more about the paranormal, the fantastic Professor Richard Wiseman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> welcome. Thank you for coming along. Love to see you. Thanks for coming along. Pleasure. Good. Um, and so uh, I've been reading your book. It's here, handily enough. Look, I'll hold that up to the camera. You might sell three copies of that. Uh, <laughs> as a result of this, it's a, it's a very, very good book. It's very good. Uh, I've very much enjoyed it. I've read it twice. Uh, Paranormality, why we see what isn't there. So you're going to explain to me the science behind uh, the paranormal. Uh, but I want to take you through a few of uh, some things, that, paranormal things that have happened to me that I think are inexplicable. And I want to see if you can explain them. When I was on tour uh, a few years ago in the 90s uh, with Stuart Lee and Richard Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, we... Um, making up your own jokes now. <laughs> Richard Thomas, actually, you are laughing. It just reminded me, Richard Thomas did one of the funniest things ever on that tour that I had forgotten about until this second... Uh, where uh, he, I'd put a do not disturb sign on my door and uh, he, he uh, I think he flipped it around. It was the breakfast menu on the other side. He ticked every single thing on the breakfast <laughs> menu. So the next morning, literally, and they came and two people came, yeah. both to carry it and to look at the greediest man 
yeah. in the world. That's funny, yes. And I had, I had a full, double full English breakfast, and I was vegetarian at the time, so yeah. it was doubly amusing. Is, is that the, the paranormal experience you wanted explaining? No, that is that's an easy bowl. No, um, it's just a, that's just by the by. Okay. Uh, when I was on that tour, we, we were young and we got drunk quite a lot and I was quite tired. We didn't sleep very much, I have to say. And I went, uh, I think it might have been in Guildford, I went to sleep on the dressing room floor and, uh, and then I woke up, I thought, and on my chest there was an old woman. I thought it was Richard Thomas for a moment, <laughs> the writer of Jerry Spring of the Opera, but it was an old woman sitting on my chest right. uh, and, uh, str- and strangling me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to fight her off, and then she disappeared. Yeah. Can't explain that with your science. <laughs> well, um, if you are backstage, and it's an area that old women can get access to, <laughs> if she's seen you work before and hasn't yeah. enjoyed the show, <laughs> yeah. she maybe thinks, there he is asleep. <laughs> I'll go and sit on his chest and strangle him. Yeah, it could be. That is a good explanation, actually. Well done. But she did sort of disappear the minute I officially woke up. Yeah. So is, would it... I haven't got a clue. You haven't got a clue? I, I, <laughs> you, would, you would want uh, an expert uh, really? on, on paranormal experiences. I, I think what, what, you, what you probably experienced was not an actual old woman. No, I, think, I don't think it was. The disappearance would be a clue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was the fact that I was asleep a clue as well, do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> So it, it, it's what we psychologists um, would call uh, unusual. <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, probably a night terror yeah. uh, come sleep paralysis. Uh, and so what's happening is when you fall asleep, when you dream, uh, you're actually you're paralyzed. So you don't act out your dream. And some people don't. They actually do act out their dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's quite funny. Um, LAUGHTER but they, they also remove themselves from the gene pool uh, fairly rapidly uh, for, for doing that. Um, so, um, so anyway, so you're paralysed, and then when you come to, as it were, you start to regain consciousness. I didn't come. I didn't come to. A little bit. She definitely came. That's why I thought you, when you come to. Um, when you regain consciousness uh, after having ejaculated um, <laughs> actually during dreams of course you have an erection not, not just you <laughs> not just you everyone nice uh, well, not everyone them, nice uh, I get them some of the time yeah. <laughs> wow um, so both men and women are sexually aroused um, during dreams well they're not actually um, they are their genitalia um, is, is aroused okay. Uh, they are. Um, they might that be. That is sex- part of them, though, right? That isn't like a. You're telling me a genitalia is like a creature that lives on us. <laughs> and when we're asleep, it comes alive. And yes, this is terrifying. I never thought we'd get to this. Not this quickly. <laughs> there's lots of sort of detached genitalia running around having sex with each other whilst we sleep. <laughs> I saw a film on the internet once about a woman who had a genitalia that lived on her, and it kind of ate people, but very slowly, and they went. Oh, oh, I was. Ah. I was talking yes, about the penis mm-hmm. and the vagina, and I used the term genitalia as a collective noun. Okay. Um, <laughs> by, <laughs> I'm now regretting it. To be honest, <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't mentioned the entire sexual arousal because it's not even important to the story. I, I was just 
throwing it in the whim. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, so yes, so there you are, um, sexually aroused and uh, paralysed. You start to regain consciousness. Yeah. And you think, well, I can't move. That's a bit weird. And then your brain, as it often does, makes up a story to tell you to explain the paralysis. Uh, and it tells you there's somebody pinning you down. And it depends on your belief system as to what you think that is. Some people think uh, it's like the devil. Uh, some think it's an alien. Uh, and, and for some reason, your brain decided to come up uh, with an old woman. Yeah. Uh, which is a curious choice. That's, that's, you, you, it could have come up with anything. It could have come up with, you know, an attractive young woman. Yeah. But oh no. I'm the only gerontophile in show business. That's, uh... <laughs> and that makes me safe. I'm safe. Um, <laughs> um, and then uh, what happens? It's quite, it's quite a scary experience, actually. So, so as, uh, and, and then you, you slowly drift into proper consciousness and you realise there's not an old woman there uh, and so your brain makes her disappear and, and then you're, you're fine. Um, but the thing to do, if you have it again, is try and wiggle your toes because that breaks the paralysis quite quickly and, and then and the uh, drift through consciousness is much faster. I wanted, I wanted to go, I wanted to stay. It's, the, it's, not, it's nice having a friend on that tour. Uh, <laughs> Just, just for one second. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, Professor Richard Wiseman. Buy his fantastic books. Lovely stuff. Thank you much. You can go. Thank you very much. So can we trust anything that human beings say or they've witnessed? Do we have any free will? Is there any UFOs, fairies? I don't know. I think it's true. The wonders of the natural world... Uh, and the wonders of science are kind of so much more impressive than anything anyone's making up from the paranormal. You are all made out of stardust. You were create- The atoms that make you were created in the crucible of exploding stars. The sperm that made you beat millions upon millions of other sperm to create life and grow into a, a human being with consciousness and intelligence and the ability to windsurf. You're amazing. <laughs> and yet people are looking for these magical things elsewhere without seeing... Uh, the magic within the human race. We, have, we can fly now. We've been to the moon. We sent, we sent probes out of the galaxy. We can talk to any other person on this planet. You've probably got a device in your pocket right now by which you can talk to any other person pretty much on this whole planet. You can find out any pieces of information you want to. This is why are you impressed by a man being able to bend a fork by pretending <laughs> that he's, he's pre-bent before and that's all that's... It's pretending you're looking for magic in the tiny things when there is magic all around you, and that is much more impressive uh, even than the, the biggest Bigfoot in the world. <laughs> You've been lovely. We'll be back next month with a show about love. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for watching. Enjoy. My name is Richard Herring. I uh, present Richard Herring's Meaning of Life, or as the cool kids call it, Rahamol. There's some cool kids in finally tonight. Uh, It's free, but it's costing me quite a lot of money to make, so you can help pay me back with that if you buy one of these. It's an I paid a pound 
badge, which they're for sale for £1. At all my gigs, you'll be able to buy those off of me. If 20,000 of you buy one of those, uh, then I will be able to pay uh, my bank manager back for the money I've got. But also, if you want to uh, donate online, you can do that. You can get, uh, I paid a pound. It, you have to pay package and posting as well, because otherwise that would, uh, it's not, uh, it costs more than a pound. It's pound fifty package and posting. So if you pay a pound and get that, we would start losing even more money. So in that case, you get I paid a pound plus package and posting. Uh, you can also go to that site and just make a donation of any amount you want. You'll get a badge saying I paid more than a pound. Which, uh, and then you can also get I paid more than a pound plus package and posting. And you can get I paid a pound a month if you want to pay a pound a month. Uh, or I paid more than a pound a month. If you have any other idea of what you want to pay, let us know. We'll make a badge of it. That is basically... You get... Like, there's up to five different badges to collect and impress your friends with. So please do pay a, it's a pound. I paid a pound. I paid a pound. You can say, I paid a pound, if you pay a pound. Pay a pound. Just pay a pound. Not going to work. We're never going to make the money back for the badges. They cost, they cost like... It costs about 300 quid to make the badges. We're not going to sell 300 of them, are we? Those badges will be worth a lot of money in the future. When, if you buy one now, it'll probably be worth about £5,000 for rarity value when I am dead. <laughs>